Zach Henry live, bastard in disguise. Welcome to episode two of Strange Currencies. I conducted an interview with Zach after his set at the LIC bar, joined by special guest Daniel Munez. Hope you enjoy episode two. Here it is. I didn't listen to anything like pop, popish. I listened to like Righteous Brothers and Beach Boys, like really old shit. And and I, and I remember like modern bands at the time actually scared me. Like Green Day scared me. Now I love Green Day, but at the time I think I, I think I saw a music video on uh, MTV and it it, it it was the one where they're in the mental hospital and they got those bass on. Which one is that? You know what? Uh, when they're in the mental hospital, Basket Case. I wasn't allowed to watch MTV. For good reason. <laughs> yeah, it, it fucked you. me up, dude. <laughs> um, but um, so I listened to a lot of older stuff, and and um, and then as I got older, my dad gave me um, first albums he got me were Abbey Road and uh, Dark Side of the Moon. So you know a lot of classic rock and stuff. And it wasn't until I got older that I started listening to more contemporary stuff. Um, it's not like I, I discover everything like ten years later or something. But these days I'm, um, I listen to more, uh, more, more uh, contemporary stuff. But yeah, it can be uh, cool. I, I found to come to a band late. Yes. Because yeah. you can you can almost really more objectively do the work. I feel like right. when you get attached to a band, I kind of see them as they rise, or even follow them from the beginning of their career. You can be disappointed by the direction that their music goes to right. I really feel like that happened to me with uh, Arcade Fire. Uh, I didn't love Reflector after uh, Suburbs. I fucking love the Suburbs and the other albums. Now I've come to like Dylan or Smashing Pumpkins and maybe hear something that wasn't hugely well received at the time it came out. And because like I'm not like attached to what they did, it's like you're going to hear it. So it can be kind of cool to, to come to things late. It can really push you at like an advantageous position. Like be open-minded. That's a good point. The shifts in sound. But it's fun to be in it with the band. That is true. And that's something that I never quite had until recently, where you're in it with them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're Mm -hmm. cheering on the next thing they're gonna do, and you know what I mean? It's fun when when I would love to find that with like a band like where you could really like, wow, they really went places I didn't expect, and it's great. You know, like you know what? Like I haven't really had that. 
Music band, man. That's the band. Music band. Yeah, music band. I keep telling Matt about this music band. I'm obsessed with them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I think that's increasingly the case that, that people, you know, want to be a part of a band's success. And I think, you know, it's gotten more important with the fall of record labels. And they're not as, as they're still, they're still, they can still be kingmakers, but, but maybe not, you know, not nearly as much as before. I think, you know, you really, it's almost more grassroots, or you need to rely on that more. And I think, you know, in oversaturation, you know, so much stuff coming at you on Facebook and all the social media and every band's trying to you know, get your attention. I think um, you know, have that personal experience and feel like you're a part of the band's, you know. You feel like a, like some song. ownership. Yeah. And, like and they belong to you in a way. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, the, and the most the most obvious manifestation is like Kickstarter. Right. You know, people are actually making albums, you know, from, from Kickstarter campaigns. Yeah. They actually literally do own pieces of these albums. Yeah. The fans do, yeah. in a way. Like they own stock in the band. Yeah. Uh, so, from listening to your, to your uh, EP, <laughs> this is like very serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed um, you have a couple of moments uh, from a writing standpoint where you kind of step outside yourself as a character in a song and kind of critique what you're doing. Like when you say um, "Ching Dong," a better line than when the one I have yeah. right here. Yeah. So, yeah. how important is that kind of self-analysis uh, to like your songwriting? Is that something you try to do? I think it's just so. I've always been. I've always been really interested in like that kind of meta kind of. Right. Now. Oh, you said like the word I should have said. Matt, you should have known yes. that word, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think I've always been interested in, in just the cre the, the actual creation of things. You know? um, I just find the whole process fascinating because it's such a weird magical thing. I, I'm, I'm like addicted to watching like the, the Beatles. The, like the, the, there's a video or a recording of the Beatles uh, writing something. George Harrison writing it, but everybody's there. And they're telling him he sucks. And we're, and George like shit. Well, and he said, "Hey, no, I'm no, not taking it." No, anymore. in this, in this, in this session, in this session, in this session, in this session, they knew that that George had 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 was onto something really special. Yeah, yeah. And so you can hear them all sitting around fucking with it, and George. George is at the he's he's figuring out the song like he is in the throes of figuring out the this incredible song that we all know you know what I mean I mean I'm I'm listening to this 30 years after the fact so so it gets to the line um, um, something in the way she moves attracts me like and he doesn't know what it is and so you're you're watching you're listening to it you're, you're, it's no other lover it's no other lover there can't be any other way it could be yeah and they don't know what it is yet and I think George I think he says attracts me like a pomegranate like just like a like a, like a you gotta listen to it like a like a like a it's like a placeholder word or something yeah yeah, yeah. But for me, I just I just love that shit, and so I just I, I like I don't know I like bringing that in, into the songs, like kind of bringing the listener like, hey, like yeah, this something I'm writing and figuring out, and that's interesting. Yeah. So I try I try and do that a lot. Yeah. And do you think that's uh, an attempt to have uh, into 
intimacy with the, with the listener to bring them into your process? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I just... Cause also, cause that new song I wrote where I'm like, um, forget, or 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 in in New You Good I say, you know, um, but I got this song I can play when I please. It's like I want the, the listener to know that yeah, this is a song I wrote. I'm singing, like yeah, this is a song. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Something about that just intrigues me. No, I, I love that song. I saw a movie a couple months ago. I really blew my mind. It's called A Night of Cups. Terrence Malick movie. What's it called? A Night of Cups. Like it was deconstructing film. I felt like that's what the movie was doing. It's about a screenwriter right. to get like paid. Right. The big money. He had worked his entire life. That sounds awesome. It's called Night of the Cups. Uh, Night of Cups. Night, Night of Cups. It's like a tarot reference. That's like a tarot reference. Oh. It's a lot of like tarot references in the movie. But I felt yeah, like. June, was... have you seen Night of Cups? Definitely uh, not. <laughs> reaching, uh, I guess, you know, what, what comes after postmodernism and what comes, like, now? Like, what's going to be the commentary now from, like, artists? And maybe, like, that's what it is. It's like, it's, it's almost like being the consciousness of knowing something. You're, you're consciously making art. What does that mean? And injecting that into what you're doing. It's, it's what dangerous, are the though. It's yeah. dangerous, though, too. And why do you feel that way? Well, because I, I suffer with obsessive-compulsive disorder. Right. And I grew up as an actor. It's something I'm kind of moving away from now. But I remember uh, in junior year, I was in a play, and I was on stage, and I, and I remember I had a split moment where I kind of stepped out of myself, and I was like, oh, my God, you're performing now. Yes. And it really fucked me up because... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've always... And so the obsessive compulsive thing, I've always had that thought, and it plagued me as an actor, and it doesn't much as much when I'm performing, but there's always this kind of um, awareness that I'm performing, and that's dangerous because when you're performing, you're, you got to be in it, doing it, living it, breathing in the moment. I mean, that's one of the reasons I, I love it is because in my life, that OCD, that awareness yes. consumes me. So being performing, it's like I'm in it. And it's always this thing that's going to threaten to like, you know what I mean, rob me uh, uh, of being present. So I think that this that this uh, this thing about this consciousness you're talking about, about being aware of the work itself, it can be dangerous too, I guess. From a performance standpoint. From a performance standpoint, definitely. Interesting from a writing standpoint, maybe a little dangerous from a performance Definitely. Standpoint. Yeah. Definitely. That's, that, that's conflict. That's good. Yeah. Conflict's always good. Yeah. I think that. Uh, I was thinking of, I, the, the, when you were talking about movies, I was thinking of Birdman. 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 Very much. You know. Yes. That is, yeah. Birdman. And some of the shit Birdman did. It was so good. So good. Such like, a great movie. It really blew, like, just the major thing that impressed me about that movie was that that guy was like, I'm making a, a superhero, or I'm making a movie that kind of critiques superhero movies. And there's like so little cutting in the movie. Oh. And superhero movies have so much cutting. Well, you, wait, you thought he was critiquing? Like, you thought he was critiquing a superhero movie? Uh, I thought that was just kind of a vehicle for the whole. Maybe not so much a superhero movie, but maybe just the idea of entertainment. Yeah, just the sheer idea of like what is entertainment? Why is why are these movies considered entertaining? And I think they are entertaining a lot, but like, why? You know, is it the cutting? Is it the humor? Like, it's all of this put together, and that movie, like, subverted all of it. And it was like, here I am, 
Well, the, 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 I, I felt like the no cutting thing was, yeah. was it wasn't a gimmick it was totally essential to that story because it was about a theater actor I mean when you were watching it it was almost like you were watching a play right 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 you know what I mean it, it really like it, it had an effect on me I mean I, I got back into playwriting after seeing that movie oh really I had not done it in a while after it had a because you know there was a lot of shots from Broadway and like right near where my playwriting class had been I was like shit I'm talking too much I'm the interviewer I'm not being interviewed I should not You're really be screwing this up uh, first she didn't know meta <laughs> should not be maybe I should hold off on this <laughs> alright do you consider yourself a folk musician uh I mean because, uh, well, like folk people think like what, like Bob Dylan and Neil Young and that stuff is the thing, like right? that. Like it's usually like a dude with a guitar. Of folk? A dude with their schools of folk. I'll tell you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think really to be honest with you, I think I've just been because I, I was talking to you earlier about how I'm starting to play electric guitar more, and I'm starting to think like fuck acoustic guitar, yeah. it sucks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Word. Word. But not really. I mean, because it's great. But, but I think I think electric was always scary to me because it does require you be a better musician. Yeah. Yes. I'm not saying you can't Sounds be a good like musician shit. to play like play shit, acoustic. Right? I'm, I'm not saying that. Yeah. But acoustic, right. I got good at playing rhythm, and I yeah. didn't. And that's you know. Um, I think, and so I think I just played acoustic because for that reason. But now that I'm starting to play electric, I don't want to play folk. I, I really, I, I, you yeah. know, so I, I don't know. I guess from like a lyrical standpoint, maybe like a I don't I don't know. But yeah, that's definitely what my music would be considered. Do you guess. consider yourself in the, in the vein or the tradition of any particular approach to songwriting? Or do you yes, oh, you do. So. Play it on me. Uh, Billy Joel was uh, he was on Inside the Actors Studio, and uh, he was he, he I don't know why he was on Inside the Actors Studio. <laughs> <laughs> And he sat down at the piano, and, and James Lipson was asking about songwriting. And um, he used the example of Satisfaction, the Stones tune. And apparently, I, 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 don't, I, uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but, or if this is the exact term, but he called, apparently, Mick Jagger writes using vowel movement. Have you never heard this phrase? What is that? Vowel, not vowel movement, vowel movement. So the whole, the whole gist of it, the way Billy told it, was that, you know, like, they'd be in a room, him and him and Keith Richards, and Keith Richards would come up with some sort of, like, riff, like, da 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 And then Mick Jagger would, you know, he'd be like, oh, oh, what, play that again, play that again, right? Oh, that's good, play that. And, um, and he, uh, Keith would keep playing it. And then, and then Jagger would, like, he wouldn't say words, he'd say sounds. He'd be like, uh-uh-uh-oh. Like, he'd find the sounds that work yes. with the music, yeah. and then he would shape the words around the sounds. Yes. So, uh-uh-uh-oh turned in, I can't get no, and then it went off from there. Yeah. And for me, that's definitely, I, I don't understand when writers say that they wrote the lyrics first, yeah. and I mean, I have to come up with some sort of riff or some sort of musical thing, and then, and then the sounds... 
think that's a shortcoming in a lot of writers I hear. And I'm not trying to say I'm like this amazing writer, but something that I hear, my ear hears, is when the words don't match with the music. The sound of the words doesn't match with the music. And they need to be one and the same for it to really jive. And the greats, it's effortless. You know, Tom Petty and, you know, the Beatles and um, Dylan, of course. Neil Young, I mean, the sounds, the rhythms go with the music is seamless. So I think that's really important. Tonight it found it sounded it sounded too obvious. There was no subtlety, and, it, and it, it was bothering me as I was playing it on stage because I think there need yeah I don't know I'm sorry I mean I didn't mean to like take down how you felt about it but yeah the getting scared yeah no I you know like I related to that song a lot you know they get older and their consequences for like what you're choosing to do. And that's the thing about being a musician or doing anything artistic. It's like, you're choosing to do it. <laughs> I mean, you really can't, you know, like, can't say anyone's putting you up to it or anything. Like, you're choosing to do it. So I think the consequences um, can feel more severe than even if they actually are, just because it's such a conscious decision of what you're doing. Whereas if, you know, you're kind of doing something, you know what I mean? So, like, that's how I kind of feel about it. But, like, that line, you know, like, maybe I'm just a regular guy, you know, like, do you feel that that is a wish, almost in the song, like, almost like, I wish I was, a, like, do you feel that way about that line, or is it, these are great questions, man. yeah, is it Very purely, keen, um, is it, is it actually, purely just like, a, you know what I'm trying to say, like, yeah, I would know you like to maybe be free of being an artist at times, wow. like, you know, like, it's good. would it just be better to, you know, not be doing shit, you know, at times, like, what do you think? It's really good. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm having that thought a lot. A lot, because it's almost like, um, for me, it's something that I feel like I... This sounds so pretentious, and I don't no, want it to sound man. pretentious, but... We're, we're way past... We're talking Birdman, right? <laughs> we were three, three dudes talking it, about Birdman. It is... It's, it's all on right now. Let it flow. It is like a, a healing... It's a thing. I have to do it. Sometimes I think, like, I have to do this. I don't know if it's the validate. I don't know what it is, but sometimes it does feel like I have to do it. Right. No, I and sometimes I wish I didn't because it is so hard. Yeah. And it's it's filled with such doubt and insecurity and self-flagellation and just, and, and, like, with little dots of elation. You know yeah. what I mean? And... I oftentimes do feel like, man, I wish this wasn't something I had to do. Um, because it's like uh, this music band, this, this band music band, I gotta, I gotta keep saying them so people listen to them. They have this great line in one of their songs where they say, gotta be the king, gotta be the baddest. And it does feel like there's this need to, to be the best, greatest, which is totally unreasonable. It's completely fantastical to feel that way. But I know a lot of people that are doing this, they, they feel that. And so you, these standards you're putting on yourself are impossible to meet. And so when you go out and play and you write a song, it's never good enough. And it's just like this constant falling short. And it, it, it it's really sucks. I'm not, yeah, it's fucking hard. And um, 
That's a great question. I don't know how to answer that, man. I mean, because I'm thinking about, because I did the whole acting count to play music, and so my mind is that I'm 30 years old. I... You know, I played guitar as kind of like a... I was just like... I played since I was 15, but I never got serious about it. Writing songs was just something I did because I enjoyed it. And so I have this terrible fear in me right now that I'm like this dilettante. That I'm like this kind of like fan, this amateur that has no business doing this. And so I'm thinking, I'm too old. I'm too old. This is, this is a pipe dream. Let it go. And so I'm constantly going back and forth. Do I give this thing up? Do I try? Because as an actor, man, there were so many actors that I would see that would be like these 50-year-old actors going into the equity center, and they were like, you, were, you wanted to be like, dude, just give it up. I know that sounds bad, but I'm sorry, but there ha- you have to be get real about, you know, when does your dream become a, de- a, a delusion? And that's something that I'm struggling with is when does, you know, when am I just deluding myself? And when, and that's what that song, um, uh, the other side is all is all about it. Uh, you know, uh, maybe it's this dream that needs to end. You know, uh, they tell you keep try, uh, they tell you keep fighting. The story you're writing will have to come true. You know, there's this there's this kind of thing I think that's been put in our generation, especially that if you work hard enough, anything can happen. And I think you start realizing that's not quite true. <laughs> you know what I mean? No question. And so it's so you start thinking. So I always have this thought of I just need to work harder. I need to work harder. I need to work harder. Right, right, right. But there's always that terrifying kind of voice saying, dude, give it up. And so I don't have any answers for you there because that's something I'm struggling with. Yeah. No, sir, that's, that's, that song like, resonated with me a lot because I think there comes like a threshold or whatever. And I think like a lot of people feel like it's like you just reach a certain point where like you went over a line and it's almost like whatever time you thought you had to like, I have time right now, you know, like I have time, I have time for something to happen, I have time to just get better and something will happen later. You cross yeah. the threshold and like you just, you start feeling just the pressure. Yeah. Um, and the I war on drugs. I mean, the war right, on drugs. Right. We, we, the album we love, Lost in the Dream. Yeah, Lost in it's the all dream. about that. Oh, man. Lost in the yeah, Dream, yeah, the, the no. title song is called Under the Pressure. Under the Pressure. Yeah. I mean, what's that one lyric in it? Like, um, uh, come up, better come around to the new way. Yeah. Why <laughs> it all breaks down here? Under, I mean, yeah. I feel a lot of people are talking about that. And the thing is, what's interesting is that I wouldn't have been able to write the songs I've written if I hadn't, if yes. I wasn't the age that I am. Yes. yes. I, I recognize that I'm at, I'm doing it, I'm, I'm finally at a place to be doing it, but it does scare me because I do need to become a better musician, and that's one of my insecurities, and something I've been working on, but there are times when I sit down to play, like, the fucking major scale, and I'm just like, fuck it! <laughs> yeah. You know, why didn't my parents send me to fucking piano lessons when I was 10 years old? Shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm fucked. <laughs> the thought that goes, well, you know, uh, Bob Dylan couldn't, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Just, I don't know. Yeah, the Beatles couldn't read music. No, yeah. Yeah, but they were fun, but they still, like... Anyway, so it becomes this game of, like, so I'm in this game of, like, okay, uh, I need to budget my time wisely. Okay, so I can't learn that, but maybe I can learn this, and that'll help, and I'll do this, and... It sucks, and then, then I think, like, 30's not that old. Now, what am I fucking yeah, freaking yeah. out about, and that's all in my head? Um, but then I hear this band that I'm really into, music band. I mean, they moved to Nashville, and they were, like, right out of college, 22. And they, they've been going at it crazy for four or five years. And, and they're still younger than me. Yeah. So what... I, I think, too, so, like, just hearing you talk, I'm just thinking, like... We get so fucked by 
being young, successful artist. Right. So it's overpowering, overpoweringly in your face. I feel like, like at all times, and just the way youth itself is fetishized in the culture that you know, to be young is to be dumb. To be dumb is to be unconscious. To be unconscious is to not be aware of anything that could bother you as a successful capitalist and that's idolized. So I think we're just kind of fucked over to a degree, especially as musicians, because if you're a musician, you hear, like, everyone is, like, 22, like, I hit it, you know, even if you, like, are a huge hip-hop fan, because like, everyone is, Nas was 90, like, whatever, when Illmatic came out, it was, like, 19, so it's just everywhere, it's across all the time, it's just... be optimistic here, Yeah. and, uh, I, I really, the way that I view it, I, I guess I am an optimist, the way that I view it is, uh, a lot of things are new, you know, there's a lot of uncharted stuff right now, as far as what we were talking about before with the grassroots thing and just how music is sort of consumed now. Um, I don't think you can really draw a one-to-one with, with acting, for example, where it still seems like the like you really have to get the approval of the establishment to really find success. That's true. I feel like with music, you can kind of find your own way of making it. Different avenues at which you can do that, and there's no rule book, uh, especially now. I think you know more than ever. There's really no rule book as to in popular music as to um, you know how old you need to be because yeah. because you might find an audience with that. You know, and it's very true, yeah. and it's about I think defining what success means for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, in my head, success is still like you know. For some reason, World everything. tours get yeah, played no, every night so by different girls. Grandiose, <laughs> you know, like, and for me, for me too, man. Like, you know, if, if, if I, there would be so much power and just not give a shit. Exactly. There'd be so much power. Just say, I love doing this. Just I take it seriously. I take it seriously. I, I work to get better. And what the fuck else can you do? But for whatever reason, it's like that song. But what's so funny about this love and understand? What's so funny about not giving a shit? And like just saying this is what I do. I, I, you know, like, I guess because you just see because so many can people you, say you admire. You really do it? Can you say you really do it? If you know, at, at, at what at what point can you say this is this is what I do? Yeah, yeah. And not just be. Not anybody can just do. Can anybody just go out and play open mics and say, "Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a musician." I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what is there? Sure they can. Yeah. Yeah, but who cares? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it goes back to just I don't know. Something that I'm terrified of is, is just living this delusional dream. I don't know. That scares well, what else, me. What else are you gonna do with your time? Let's say you you stop. That's the question. You know, and that's the thing I've been pondering is what else am I going to do? Something more fulfilling or more lucrative. You know, until that point, why give it up? Little baby drill. Because you, because because uh, we're getting older, and you know, what if I want to have a family and I want to, I need money. <laughs> you know, when when you know, like. When the time comes. I don't know. Anyway, these are, these are all no, good is, questions, and I don't know. It's better be recording, because I'm just... This is <laughs> yeah, right? Like, greatest interview ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah. No, yeah, totally. I mean, those are good questions, and those are great questions. No, that's the hell of a song, man. I mean, that, you really lay it out. And just the way... Lay it out. 
comes up on the EP, and like the question I asked before, well, that's, now, just like, that, that's not the EP. That's just a demo. Those are just demos. demos. Yeah. The EP is coming out. The, the way it like comes up in the track sequencing, like with like what I asked you before about letting people in your process, like you really feel like wow, this guy is really like letting me in to like doubt, like doubt. Maybe isn't written about enough out here. I mean, it's written about, but like, if there's one thing I yeah. feel I understand. What's that? I don't know if I do. Shit. But it's funny you say that because, like, you think about how are you gonna make your voice unique or ever anything. But I've always been a very insecure full of doubtful and, and part of me thought that's not a good thing to broadcast like people don't want to know that but I'm thinking like what else am I gonna I'm always thinking that shit this is what I'm gonna talk about but other people feel it too you can great. feel it people talk feeling that you feel it with with online dating apps and Facebook you you, you know that everybody's feeling this this like there's this better thing that I should be I feel like that's really prevalent, and I don't think it's just me thinking that. No, it's not you. You know, I, maybe, or maybe it is just a neurotic Jew, you know, no, who's consumed I, with those thoughts. But I don't know. No, definitely. I yeah, like I, I, I it's dating, dating uh, websites. That is, we gotta have a long convo about that, dude. Uh, let me tell you, I'm, 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 I'm gonna be totally open with your audience. <laughs> so I, 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 for some reason, read up. Did Tinder got that to go back on? I hate it. Yeah, it's the worst. Oh, I hate it's it. It's the worst. I'm so ashamed. So, so, I really hate so I put. So I'm five seven, and I have you know height things, whatever. And so I put on, but I, I have my pictures. The pictures are pretty good. And then underneath, I wrote some bullshit. You know, like I wrote. And this is what I wrote. I wrote karaoke and crosswords. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> underneath that, I wrote. Those I wrote. Awesome. I wrote. Because I wanted to see what would happen. I mean, totally sadistic. <laughs> you know? So, I'm coming over. This is just tonight. I'm coming over to the show. And I get a fucking... I get a... I get a... A, a, a like. And... It's this girl. Who's really pretty. It's Brazilian. And I'm thinking like... What? Like, this doesn't make sense. She wrote... She writes... And then I'm thinking like it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's one of those hoaxes where they try and get you to, you know, they get your credit card number or whatever. And she writes, um, <laughs> but she's got an Instagram and she's got a whole bio. I mean, it seems legit. And this girl's gorgeous, like big boobs. I mean, like Brazilian fucking like, and I'm like, what? So she she writes, I found you, winky face. God, I sound so pathetic to your audience right now. She writes, I found, I found you, winky face. And I'm like, do I know you? Wait, she called you winky face? No, she wrote, how she did a wink. No, no, no. She made a wink. She wrote, I found you with a wink face. And I wrote, um, I wrote, do I, do I, um, do I know you? And she wrote, do you want to? Ha, 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 ha. I'm like, oh fuck! I wrote five ten. Shit! <laughs> so then I, so then I'm like, um, sure. You see, I say you seem okay. And she writes a big winky face. So then I'm like, well maybe she didn't, maybe she didn't see the five ten. So I go back and I erase the five ten. 
right? And I, and I, and I go back, and I write, so she writes, where do you live? And I, I write a story up, no response. I'm, I'm like, Ooh. I write, I write, and it's like 10 minutes, and I write, well, where do you, I write, where do you live? She wrote, she writes, um, I'm in Brazil right now visiting family, I'll be, be in New York in 26 days, uh, I'm moving there, and I wrote, I wrote, laugh out loud, text me when you get here, she writes, no, comma, thanks, and unmatches me. Had, I almost had to call Gus and be like, dude, I can't play the show. <laughs> Wait, so you, had, you went back and changed it to 5.7? I didn't. I just erased 5.10. My thinking is that she went to the bank. She saw, oh, he erased his height. He must not be that. I'm not going to talk to him anymore. Or she could have just... I sound, I sound pathetic. Oh, you're going to edit this out, right? No. <laughs> I don't know if I have that technology. Anyway. Oh, yeah, right. Anyway. But my point is, is that she could have just been fucking with me. Who knows what? But... The feelings that came, that, that arose inside of me of, of, um, of not being good enough and not, you know, being masculine, masculine whatever those, all those feelings were, were so uh, seductive when I was feeling them and I had to, you know, remind myself, dude, this is a meaningless app, she doesn't, you know what I mean? But the way those apps can fuck with your head are so, um, real. Yeah. like a superficial asshole. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then you know people are thinking the same thing about you, right? Yeah. Especially Tinder because it's all pictures. Uh, yeah, dude. It's a, mi- a mindfuck. It really is. Yeah. But to get back to what we're talking about, the whole reason was those feelings of of, uh, of doubt and security, I feel are really magnified by all these, these mm. social... Well, it, yeah, it almost like feeds on itself, I, I, I think. Like it's... You might feel this way, but in some weird way... It's something you can live with and keep pursuing. Uh, it's not an unacceptable thing to the extent where people stop using it and they're like, because you know, like certain things in culture come along and fade quickly uh, for whatever reason. They, these things are prevalent, so I think the, the fact that they're prevalent does say something about culture, people, what have you. That you know, maybe this is great, but then again, you know, I'm sure plenty of good things come out of people meeting on dating websites too. People meet, fall in love. Yeah, I've had some good. Day. I've had some positive dates. Yeah, so I know I mean, Dan has. But I think, <laughs> by and large, <laughs> not through dating. <laughs> by and large, it's yeah, it, it can be a tough sell at times. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It's a tough. Like it's definitely it's definitely a tough time that we, we live in. For the uh, psyche. Yeah, you know, like definitely. Yeah, yeah. No, really. Do you is. sing while you write? What do you mean? Like, are you writing and singing what you're writing at, at the same time? Because I, I was, I was curious. Because I, I said, like, I noticed you don't always rely on rhyme scheme to drive melody. Like on a story, you curl the oh, syllables yeah. on words like California or Doria yeah. to echo a story. Well, that was just, I wanted to find words that rhyme with a story. <laughs> I, love, I love the word story. I just think it's the prettiest word. Yeah. No, I, 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 I like a story and euphoria. I was, I was like, because you're like, oh, it's lame. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, I think that's a really nice rhyme. I was like, shit, I wish I would have thought of that one. I, I like that. Well, rhyming is, is important. Yeah, yeah. It you is. know, rhyming, uh, yeah. finding words that rhyme is, is definitely important. Yeah. Because just maybe sometimes you can, you can bend it, but that's definitely something you want to you wanna do. <laughs> I'm just, I'm right 
And I'm sitting here trying to think of like words that almost rhyme with the story, but you got to like stretch. Well, like, accordion took like, a long time. I didn't. I that came out. That came out. That, we saw it's a always movie the, and it was Gloria. Well, I mean, I, I well, I, I do that with morning. I changed morning to Mornia, which oh, I thought okay. there was some license to do that. More of a stretch. You know. Well, totally. Yeah. yeah. But I thought that was kind of. I don't know. It's all. It's all taste. Connor Oberst is a brilliant. Go with you is someone else I think who's a brilliant lyricist. Brilliant lyricist. Yeah. At, at finding rhythms and sounds of words. I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan. I'm going to see him Northside Festival oh, yeah. in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Did you hear his uh, last album? Upside Down so, Mountain. Oh, gorgeous. I thought it was gorgeous. Upside Down Mountain by Connor Obers. Funny thing about that album was and He's talking about what we're talking about, too. NPR did a stream of it. And I listened to it once, and I was like, oh, it sounds really West Coast, like California. Like, the sound of it is, it, it, like, jangly kind well, of thing. Well, didn't the dude from um, Dawes play guitar on it? Maybe. I know uh, Will, that guy Wilson uh, produced it. He's produced, like, a lot of albums. Listening to it, I was like, oh, it's really fantastic album, but just shows how, like, an California action. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I heard it in San Diego. I, yeah, I'm I was just, in San Diego. I, I guess that song, Thousands of Ways, like, oh, hundreds of ways. Hundreds of ways, my pet. Like, they're yeah, not that many like, ways. <laughs> yeah, there aren't that many ways. There probably are. The, the main refrain is there are hundreds of ways to get through the day. Yeah, yeah. Just find one. Okay. Very, like, jangly, like, but then, like, I, I kept listening to Hey, I mean, that one line he has about, um, about the, um, uh, kissed her while he killed her. Oh. The good Samaritan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Desert Island Questionnaire. That's one of my favorites in the past ten years, probably. It's a good oh. title. Desert yeah. Island Questionnaire. It's a great song. Oh, dude, the he song is, the song is, <laughs> yeah, he's a great, great writer. No one's gonna cry if it's Sean Doe's funeral. Nobody's gonna cry. He didn't even have a name. Yeah. Yeah, man. Hey, that, guy, that guy can spin a lyric. He really can. So, I, commonality, I, I, I felt, like, thematically, between, like, um, Bastard in Disguise and Astoria, was the use of, like, these spaces, like, the lovers in Astoria, and uh, the line in Bastard in Disguise, you know, the fish in the sea. Like, I, I, I sense, like, commonality between, you know, trying to approach indifference, uh, in, you know, a perceived indifference in the world, uh, and people being, like, lost in this indifference. Like, do you, do you sense any of that? Who, who's lost in the indifference? I, I don't know. Like, oh, I met, I met fish lost in the sea. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it's just, 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 that was just the idea that your life getting fucked up and bad things happening to you is actually a, a blessing. It's a good thing. That was that was the whole thing behind Bastard in Disguise was that. And what is behind the bastard's eyes? Or is that uh, a rhetorical question. I, you know, I get. I don't know. God, I, that, now it sounds all lame when you try and break it down. Um, yeah, it's just. You know, I think it's really sad because I I'm such a. Um, I, I judge. I hate that I judge, and I do. And I hate it. And I know that sometimes I look at people and I don't give them the benefit. I don't, you know what I mean? I judge the book by its cover and I fucking hate that. And it bothers me. Um, it really upsets me because I know the th- same thing's being done to me and people that I care about. I hate that. And especially in New York City, you know, especially like Tinder, right? And um, just like maybe we should, you know, 
try a little harder to maybe uh, see people behind the sure. thing. I don't know. There's schools of thought that, like, you can't even judge people on their behavior at times. Extreme behavior is something else, but life's hard, man. Totally, totally. Struggling. Totally, totally. And I, and I, I, well, where, I hate that I do that. Here's an interesting thing. Do you think there's a, a through line between art and empathy or not? Between what? Like a through line between art and empathy. Do you think the two aren't responding? Yeah, I mean, I think the best artists probably are really empathetic, sensitive people, caring people. Well, you know, there's, I guess there's a difference. I, I don't think of myself as a very, I, that's think something I struggle with, is I want to be more empathetic. Or I want to care more about others. And I find myself being very self-involved and egotistical. And I, I don't like that. There's the line in, in Sarah's song, you know, um, um, I was born without a heart, but I'm trying just the same to believe what the men with hearts believe. Right. And that's actually, that's actually kind of um, uh, uh, reference to a Vonnegut book. I can't remember the Vonnegut book, but but I I like I it's something that doesn't come as naturally to me as I like, and I'm ashamed to say it. And it's something I have to work at. Um, Doing some of that's being. A musician. I think being like I, a, I, I think I think being like an actor, an artist, yeah, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's funny because at, at the same time that you're so self-involved, yeah, yeah. you're absolutely at the same time that you're so it's like we can we can uh, ping pong between total uh, like uh, egotism and arrogance and absolute self-loathing. Yeah, you know I, mean? I mean, at least I can. And um, so. I think that's definitely a product of, of being a artist of some way. Because, yeah, I guess you look at your life or your experiences differently. I don't know. But it's no excuse. It's no excuse to not be a fucking empathetic, caring human being. I mean, that's not excusable. I think, for me, when it feels like it's not going well, that's when, you know, I find it difficult to maybe be, you know, the person I, I would like to be. And not even so much in the way I, I treat people, uh, but definitely in the way I think, you know, to a degree, like, how much should you be disturbed by what you're thinking? It's just what you're thinking. But if you do want to be a contented person and you're embroiled in jealousy, rage, <laughs> it does make it difficult uh, to be, like, a happy, contented person who treats people well, or as well as you can. So, yeah, that's... it. It can be a little contradictory, I feel, because I, I do feel there's a public service ideal to being an artist, of like trying to turn people on to talk about the Beatles again. I love to turn you on, you know what I mean? Like so, like, but then I, I, there's also the shallow side. So it's it's a yin yang thing. Like who knows? Yeah. Sometimes I think there's a lot of truth in that ideology. Uh, you know, positive negative analysis. To like you know. A lot of things you do, you know, so... Yeah, yeah. That's totally. <laughs> very meta, man. It's a very meta. So, last question that I have. Other than what... This is not the last... What is... When you say D-A-E, oh. I miss that. What is, what is the deal with that? D-A-E. I love it. You asked that. Yeah, I was trying love to figure... It. I was like, maybe this should be obvious, but I, I couldn't quite... Simplify it, dude. It's yeah. the most simple thing ever. D-A-E. Oh, yeah. I see what you 
what you mean. Chords. Because all I play is DAE. I don't play any other chords. Wow, yeah. So, again, it's an example of being... It's almost like... Is that literal? That's not literally true, right? Yeah. You playing D, A, E, right? No, D. Never G. G, never G. No, I play other. I know, I play other chords. I was just saying, I, I like those chords. Yeah. I mean, it's not favorite chords. I definitely have my But, you know, that's just me being like... It's almost like me... I, I was thinking about it now. It's almost me being saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm critiquing it before you say anything. You know what I mean? Right. So, hey man, she great work. Danny, say something into the. This is Danny Leonard. He's a historian, singer-songwriter. He just waved. He waved. I waved. Yeah. Have we just said that he waved? You gotta hear him play. See you guys next time. Take it easy, man. But yeah, yeah. I'm almost like saying like, I'm not that musical. All right, I'm secure about it, so I'm saying it. I just realized it had that kind of flavor to it. But also, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just exposing the whole thing. Yeah. Never mind. We were just talking about Connor Oberst. Uh, what you just said reminds me of. Um, oh man, what is that song? Uh, is it off Upside Down Mountain? No, it's an older one. Uh, off. Um, is it with with Bright Eyes? Yeah. Well, he says like. A progression of chords, how I just wish this would resolve, but almost commenting on the idea of music and what answers. Or like, or like Floyd does it in, um, the time is gone, the song is over, thought I had something more to say. Like that, when I heard that lyric, when I, when I was 15 and I heard that lyric, I was like, oh, that's so awesome, because you all of a sudden are taken out of it, you're watching yourself listening to this thing, you know? Yeah, I, I feel like Dylan loves doing that. Like, the, there's so many films about, like, or shows about shows, you know, movies yeah, definitely. about movies. Definitely. Yeah, Yeah, like Birdman we were talking about before. Although I wonder if it's only, it's really appealing to us, because we do this. And I wonder if other people that, like, are, like, I don't know, accountants or whatever, are just like, I don't give I a shit about well, that. Well, I kind of think that about the, the, the film stuff. I was like, this is probably not as interesting to me as it is exactly. to, like, Exactly. Like, I feel like Birdman, nobody gave a shit about Birdman except, you know, I mean, it was my parents saw like Birdman, a, they hated it. It was considered like a film aficionado's movie, like someone who really appreciates. Yes, exactly. Film. Matt, you look contemplative. I'm trying to remember the name of that but song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking crazy. But I, but I love. I like, feel like it's something with tourism. <laughs> tourism. Tourism. Ah, and tour bus. I have, no, I love that uh, song. Oh, tour it's guy. Such a Dun, dun, dun. Fanny Pass. Dun, dun, dun. Fanny Pass. Is it with, it's with Bright Eyes? Is it I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning? Is it, it, was out? A, it was an album. Oh, oh, is it I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning? It's another traveling song? No. You know, it's, you know it's that one? It's in a similar one? vein. It's in a another, similar vein. Another Fanny Pass song. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but speaking of the self-referential uh, music things, you know, the part in, in uh, Leonard Cohen... And hallelujah, it goes like this. Yes, right, yeah. Like that kind of shit, dude. That's so cool. I love that. I love that. It's one of the best lyrics ever. Oh, man. Do you know uh, Leonard Cohen worked on a song for 15 years? On that song? Yeah, not, maybe, I don't know. He might have, but he will work on a song. You know, speaking of Leonard Cohen, speaking of Leonard Cohen, he didn't get really started. It's crazy. That's amazing. I mean, he posted something on his website. I, I love one of his songs, A Thousand Kisses Deep. Uh, and he posted a previous version of it from 1998, and I 
the leader was released in 2002, and uh, he said he was working on an 80s. Wow. So, now, there's, there's that's a guy. pretty, now, yeah. I would look to him. Remember we were talking about, like, there's no rules and stuff? Hey, yeah. Dude, that guy started when he was, like, 32. Well, I don't say yeah. he started, but he released his first album and, when he was 32. His popularity has, like, held steady. Yeah. That's a great example. And he was a, he was a novelist at first. Yeah. And it wasn't novel, working, and so he turned to music. Yeah. And he and came to it later, too. That also makes me feel better that he would spend so long. Like, it didn't come so oh, so easily and quickly, too. You, you know? can tell. You can hear it. Like, no, Chelsea Hotel, the lyrics are perfection. Yeah, they're perfection. They're yeah, perfection. to a point, yeah. And it's, it's crazy to think. Like, like that works. Like, but, like, but, like, I feel like... It happens a lot. I mean, I feel like a lot of the great songs and great songs... Yeah, sometimes they just fucking come out of you and it's awesome. Yeah. But like Tom Petty sat trying to figure out free falling. Like I remember saw some behind music him doing it. Like he sat for like months just playing that same progression over until those words came. I mean, I think it's a lot more to write something good. It's a lot more. It takes a lot more effort and it's a lot more yeah, deliberate than we'd like to think. I'll go through drafts. I mean. I researched an older song and I was kind of amazed by how much better the lyrics were. It was about three years old or two years old. So you like, look back and you're like, these aren't that bad? That no, old no, no, no. Oh, you did. You I did. I changed them. I made them better. Um, and it's just, uh, it's better. It's just better. I mean, you just know. You just know. Yeah. It's it's more toward what you were trying to say. And you know, you know what's so interesting is to think that what you're trying to say is such a deep, intricate emotion that it does require that much work. So it almost speaks wonderfully of the human capacity for critical thinking and the soul and all that. To think like you had something inside of you that was that intricate and complicated that could take that amount of time, that effort to bring it out. Because it's there. It's there. It just takes time. I think part of what makes it take time is making it sound acceptable within that form. You know, within the art form you're working with. Yeah. So I'm fine. You know, I could easily just express in words, you know, like I'm, I'm a pretty verbal guy. I could really easily express in words something I'm feeling most of the time. But when it comes down to trying to make it, you know, song yeah. Fit into like a song. That's format. a whole other level. It's a whole other That's level. A it's a whole yeah. other challenge. Yeah. I mean, I got. Yeah. I actually got heated today. Stupid. By myself on the internet. I got mad. Because, you know, there's a, a thread I was reading on a Dylan website, and, you know, a guy had wrote a critique of Dylan, which is fine. I mean, it's fine to critique a guy's work. But, you know, it's basically like, it's not for sure. No fucking kidding. It's a song. Exactly. It's, not, it's a whole different exactly. feel. It's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. It's you know they're two yeah, different forms. But, but to like you know to hold it to the standard of it has to be poetry. You know that's that's, yeah. that's quite unrealistic. I feel like you know because they're two very different forms. It's gonna try. You're gonna take out the musical part and right. Yeah. Dylan. One without the other. A lot of people think those lyrics flew out of Dylan, but that's not the case. That's I mean, then they just they're, they're doing some Dylan museum and found they released yes. some of his notebooks. Yes. And there's a billion revisions, man. The, um, the cutting edge is great for that too. Uh, the the blonde on blonde outtakes, uh, where you can hear like stuck inside a mobo with the Memphis Blues again. You can hear take one, take two, take three, take four, take five, take six, take seven, take eight. You can hear all the takes. You know, it didn't just come together like a visions of Johannes. Yeah, so I, I think, love that. And I actually. Love 
the rejected takes of that song better because they're more rock and roll, more intense, and I like that better than the one that actually. Mm-hmm. Now I gotta, I gotta, gotta listen. Listen. I gotta, I gotta so, no, I mean, I haven't listened. The cutting edge was was quite good. Music band. Music band. <laughs> I don't think of that goddamn wake up song. That, I fucking They've love got that song. Music band has great lyrics Manny too. Manny Pack Woman. I think it's the name of the song, right? Something with tourism, man. John, that's what I'm saying. Um, it, not the, maybe not the exact <laughs> word, uh, but it's something he's gonna, with tourism. For podcast number two, he's going to have to have the answer. Call him, Connor, it's your buddy, Matt. Uh, so, yeah, we were just talking about Dylan. Uh, Would you write a song called Fanny Pack Woman, please? Back to Fanny more. Just hang out near Times Square. I think that's more your And wait song. to get inspired. Fanny Pack Woman. That's, you think that's my... I think that's more of your alley. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember reading uh, Dylan saying he realized a lot of his songs that had characters, lovers, women, what have you, were actually all about him. Do you feel <laughs> songwriters use any characters, women, womenly figures, or archetypes, or what have you, to basically talk to themselves? What do you think about that? Talk to parts Jude. of yourself. Jude. <laughs> I guess you're working things out. So, yeah, if I'm writing a song, I'm probably working something out. Yeah. So I'm sure I'm talking to some part of, my, part of myself. And this is actually my last question. I'm sorry. Sarah's song. Yeah. Um, you want Desire her, you want her last name? <laughs> oh, if you feel like it. Desire versus contentment, I feel, is oh, yeah. something that you, yeah. you pursue in a lot of songs, especially on that yeah, song. Yeah, definitely. So, your thoughts on desire versus contentment? I mean, it's like... I mean, to put it crudely, you know, with this whole, you know, go back to the whole Tinder thing, you know, it's like, how many women can I fuck versus, you know... Can I find the right one? And, and is, isn't that really what you want? We're not. And I get scared because women I've been with and relationships I've been in, there's always that creeping like, ah, I need something else, you know? And I get that scares me because I know that's not the, I know that's not a, 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 the right path to walk. True love, you know. I've yet to write a real love song because I've never, I don't have really been in love. So there's a lot more material to be written, but I don't, I would imagine that that, Dan's in a really great relationship right now. Maybe he can speak to it. But I would imagine, I, I long to find that, but I get scared that I'll never be, you know, it'll always want something more. Always, it'll, it's like it's never enough. And yeah. In that song, it's, yeah, it's kind of a contemplation on, fuck, I had something and I threw it away, man, because I wasn't, you know, wasn't enough, you know, and that's, so that's, that's, that's definitely a scary thing when I think about. Ah, man, well, in hindsight, I wish I would have asked a happier question, <laughs> a happier lead-in. No, these are very intricate. Well, they were great. Dude, Matt, awesome fucking um, questions. Answers. You are a good interviewer, dude. Thank these you. are really great questions. I was a journalism major, and I 
avid adrenaline. I talk to, uh, I can talk to you up to naked 300 pound football players. So I can, I covered the Jets for a couple of years. So. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can talk to anyone. And I can talk to uh, Nick Bangle. Well, if I talk loss, man, I'd like I can to talk to anybody if I can do that. Right. So. I'd like to yeah, thank yeah. everybody for coming out, but I also want to say to Matt, it means a lot to me that you actually like listen to the songs and like put thought into them and ask those type of questions. Do. But in a way that was like like you really really asking some interesting shit, dude. Thank you. Really, thank it was you. awesome. I pre- and uh, you know and thank you, Zach. Make sure you check out his music. I'm gonna have music dropped into the interview. Yeah. So there is an EP. An EP in the works. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. You know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. Where are you recording it anywhere? It's recorded. It's oh, being, it's, it's a matter of being mixed. It's and, in the bag. It's a matter of being mixed right. and What's mastered. Mixed. All right. Lay it on me. What, what do you mean by mixed? Because I, I only self-produce. I only self-produce. Well, like I've got other instruments going on. You got so yeah. Matter so you got levels and yeah, levels. I mean, shit. yeah, yeah. <laughs> levels. Uh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've never done that. Yeah, I'm only, I'm Level only ever, it's just been me and my guitar, so I don't know jack about that. I don't, I don't either. That's why somebody else is doing it for me. <laughs> 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 no doubt. Yeah. Alright, man. Right, well, thank you so much, and thank you. Yeah. Also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm awkward when I try to end things. Uh, and it's no good way to end it. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell you something right, about Andy. He's been here listening. Yeah, let me tell you something about Andy. He's been clearly really bored. No. That always stuck with me when I was um, like 13 years old. I used to go to my grandmother's house after school and uh, I'd have a coffee ice cream float and a bag of bagel chips. Oh, you ever have bagel uh, chips? Bagel oh, yeah. chips, oh, yeah. yeah. And, I watched, and, and I watched MTV. I watched TRL. Oh, yeah, we did. Like 13 years old. I remember one time, yeah, Tommy Lee had like a show before TRO for time, and he was like, he was ending one show, and he was like, he's like, guys, this is the lame part. I gotta say goodbye. Oh. <laughs> he said it in such an emotional so way. Sweet. You should, you should like, end your, you should end this. I mean, oh, and like I remember sitting there, and I was like, wow, like I was, it just really stuck with me, like just watching that. I was like, wow, like. That's the lame part of saying goodbye. So, to the audience, I say this is the lame part of saying goodbye. I, like I, I will I like be back, it. and uh, we'll be back on Strange Currencies. Thanks so much to Zach Henry. Uh, have, a, have a great day wherever you are. Goodbye. Gotta be the way it grows. Grab a lot of ways to never stop the 
I got to think that I would be 